Former president dismissed a reporter's question with the rubric, Well, you've never been judged by the color of your skin. The reporter's response, I just have. Who do you think took the heat on that one? You can figure that out. This is where we are. But as individuals, no one has to be there. Each of us can think critically and come to our own conclusions regardless of the mass think mentality. And that's the truth. And we're TNN. The Truth News Network. And Dan Newman. You know, we taught our kids very early on, they will be held captive by the choices they make. And it wasn't just for when they were kids. That's the rule of life. We get into life, we put into our lives, and we should never expect to get anything else other than what we put into our lives. And if you sow good seeds... If you're out planting a garden in the spring and you put the right kind of seeds in the ground, guess what's going to grow? The good seeds, the stuff that you purposely put in the ground because you wanted the fruit of what you sowed. That's just the way it works. No different from other parts of our life. Whatever we do, whatever we put into, whatever we say, it all comes back just as we plant it. One of the toughest things we ever had to do of our three children, the youngest, really gave us a tough time. And we didn't find out for many years, far too long actually, exactly why Caleb, our son, was giving us so much trouble. Wasn't until he was in the fourth grade that a school educator called us in and we went to see this principal and she said point blank, have you had him tested for his intelligence. And of course, we hadn't done that. And so they tested him. He's not borderline genius. He's all the way in. So what was happening when he went to school, he was bored out of his mind because the schoolwork that was put in front of him, it was no challenge whatsoever. Now, did he have other issues in his life? Does he today at 42? Absolutely. None of us are exempt from having issues. That's just the way life works. What we must do is choose those things that we have access and the responsibility and the permission to choose to make part of our lives. And yeah, some of that has to do with who we marry and having kids and how we handle things at the house. All of that plays in to this, this thing called life. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. It's midweek. It's hump day. And we're just going to do it together here this morning.
song's got kind of a twisted sound to it. You know, a little bit evil, a little bit uh, illegal activity, Cisco kid talking about down at the border, all that kind of stuff. Well, stuff that came out in the 60s and 70s, it really had meaning, most every song, but it was difficult to unwrap the lyrics and the sound of the song and find out what the heck they were talking about. So all these years later, let me tell you, the Cisco Kid, the song you just heard, let me tell you what it's all about. I don't know. (laughs) It, it, It could be anything. Anyway, it's a good sound. Good way to start any Wednesday. So why don't we start the day talking about some really important things. And have you noticed of late as we get into this election cycle for 2024, there are particular things that are very important. I mean, big things. News reports come out, and it's something that's a bomb buster. And we hear about it, and we think, oh, my gosh, I can't wait till we get all the details. And it just goes away. We don't ever hear anything else about it. And do you think when it happens that way that it's not purposefully done that way? You don't need to go around and be a conspiracy theorist about that. It is what it is. And yes, those on the left, the ones that control most of the power in this government, I know the House is controlled by a small majority by the Republicans, but the Senate is all in for Democrats, the White House, the Department of Justice, every part of the Department of Justice. And they're all obliged to the left stream media. So when you control the information and you control the dissemination of the information, you control what people hear and see, and therefore in large part, you control what they think. That's what's happening in this American government. And you know, when you step back away from the fray and you just get out of the nip and tuck, the everyday, you know, go after it, and you step back for a little bit and look at the world objectively, look at your world objectively. And when you do that, you begin to ask questions about what you've been told, what you have heard, what you've watched, that you've been told is factual. Well, this is the way it is. So because we say this is the way it is, that's the way it is. Now, where are you going with this, Dan? It's real simple. All this push for information about Hunter Biden, the Biden family syndicate, all the money coming from these foreign countries into the hands that's been proven it's come to Hunter Biden and other members of the Biden family. Although nobody's ever stepped up and told us how a grandchild of Joe Biden, a couple of them, several of them, get these big wire transfers from overseas. Where's it coming from? What's it all about? This guy in Washington, D.C., he's actually, Dan Goldman is his name, he's from New York. He has become, apparently, the appointed lapdog of the left to take anything, say anything, do anything that is necessary to deflect any concentration 
on any bad news that has anything to do with Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and especially President Biden. It's kind of like, and, and he is a, he's a seasoned prosecutor. He's a bulldog when it comes to uh, pointing fingers at other people and making allegations against other people, often that aren't true. But he got up on his soapbox the other day, Dan Goleman, and he's been doing that pretty often here of late. But this one, I wanted you to listen to because it's not coming from one of the conservative news media outlets. So he's given a wide expanse of places he can go in responding to these questions. But the topic is about extremist and extremism. And of course, everybody on the left since January 6th, when it became a big event and they did their uh, dog and pony show for months and months, the January 6th committee called them hearings, but they weren't hearings because nobody got to ask any questions from the Republican side. Nobody got to look at any of the evidence the Democrats put forth. Nobody got to testify or cross-examine anybody that they called as witnesses. So it was a sham, but it gave them a starting point, a place where people like Dan Goldman could come up and could start making wild, outlandish allegations because they felt like they had legitimized this, that the Republican Party is full of right-wing extremists, and we got to get rid of those white-wing extremists. Listen to Goldman in this conversation. I, I just want to point this out. When you control the narrative, you get a leg up on everybody else. Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman, who will join us in just a moment, has led more than 65 congressional Democrats in sending a letter asking what steps the Department of Homeland Security has taken to weed out domestic extremism within its own ranks. After reports concluded that more than 300 current or former DHS employees uh, were members of the right-wing Oath Keepers group as of 2015, and Customs and Border Protection staff were working with conservative militia groups along the U.S.-Mexico border. Last March, the department itself released a report admitting there are, quote, significant gaps which have impacted its ability to comprehensively prevent, detect, and respond to threats of domestic violent extremism within the DHS. In the wake of multiple trials over the January 6th insurrection, members of Congress uh, expressed their concern about what, if any, preventative measures Homeland Security has taken to ensure that people uh, devoted to the overthrow of the United States government are not also its employees. Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman of New York joins me now. Congressman, it's great to see you. Thank you so much uh, for coming back on the show. So th this letter comes more uh, than two years after Secretary Mayorkas launched that internal review. Uh, in the meantime, you've had this report that revealed the number of Oath Keeper members within DHS ranks. But that figure, believe it or not, was actually from 2015. We don't have an updated number um, about what it is, but the urgency is obviously still there. What's at risk if DHS drags its heels on this subject? Well, the urgency, of course, has increased dramatically after January 6th when members of the Oath Keepers and other domestic violent extremist groups tried to overthrow the government effectively. So the risk here, of course, is that the Department of Homeland Security is charged with keeping our homeland safe 
And if there are domestic violent extremists within their ranks, that, of course, uh, runs counter to their mission and could completely undermine their mission. So it's been two years, which is part of the reason why we followed up with yet another letter, because we appreciate the fact that the department has recognized that there are gaps here, but those gaps need to be filled. And we need a to understand that there is a methodical and comprehensive process to determine whether or not there are employees of the Department of Homeland Security who have uh, connections, ties, allegiances to domestic violent extremist groups. How do you square or reconcile um, the, the First Amendment right to have these views and, and, and beliefs as opposed to the potential threat? I mean, the Senate just passed the annual defense bill um, that approved $886 billion over the next year that covers the cost of tracking terrorism abroad. Uh, but in its own report, the Department of Homeland Security admits that, quote, it had no official definition of or guidance about what constitutes a violent extremist. No workforce, no workforce training to identify and report uh, extremist activity and insufficient funding for the already existing DHS insider threat program. Yeah, look, the First Amendment concerns are, are real. Um, the question, of course, becomes, first of all, are personal opinions being used in furtherance of professional activities? And second of all, are those personal views actually protected by the First Amendment? Uh, I know my Republican colleagues seem to now think that if you utter anything that's protected free speech under the First Amendment, that is, of course, not the case. And so there has to be an evaluation of whether or not, A, it would be potentially protected speech, but more importantly, whether it is infiltrating any actual professional or career duties that uh, any employees of the department are doing. But you, you also raise, I think, really important points. Do they need more funding? Uh, do we need to establish by statute a definition of a domestic terrorist? Um, that is uh, open, that's been open for debate for quite some time. And now that we have FBI Director Christopher Wray uh, confirming multiple times in public hearings that the number one threat to our national security is domestic violent extremism, well, if that's the case, then we need a whole of government approach to weed that out. And we've seen the impact and effect of that through the Department of Justice's prosecutions against domestic violent extremists who executed uh, the January 6th uh, overthrow. We have a foreign terrorist organization list at the State Department. Should we have a domestic terrorist organization list here internally through DHS? I mean, what are your thoughts on how the DHS should approach the point that you just raised, this growing threat of extremism? Look, it's something we have to evaluate and analyze very closely, especially now that we've had a number of defendants convicted for seditious conspiracy. Um, that is a charge so rarely brought in our history. And we've now had, I believe, double, almost double digit defendants uh, from a variety of domestic violent extremist groups who've been convicted of that. So if it is truly the number one threat and if this is something that we are even seeing infiltrating our national security, our homeland security, 
um, then we need to more aggressively root it out. And we're going to have to balance it with the First Amendment. Uh, we all understand that. But we are going to also need to make sure that our homeland is secure and safe and that we don't have uh, domestic violent extremists in our midst, uh, either perpetrating crimes as they did on January 6th or perhaps undermining the duties and responsibilities of our custom and border officials. Uh, let me switch gears and get your thoughts on, um, Congressman, on the special counsel, Jack Smith. And we could see him hit Donald Trump with an indictment for his efforts to overturn the 2020 election. How does that tie uh, this back to what we've been talking about and the growing threat of domestic extremism? I and mean, what will you be watching for as we uh, await these possible charges? Well, there's uh, obvious overlap, uh, given all of the convictions we've had of uh, avowed domestic extremists for their efforts uh, to invade and uh, the Capitol and, and prevent the lawful functioning of government and effectively to overturn and overthrow the government. So it will be interesting to see what, if any, charges are brought against Donald Trump and what connections the special counsel, if any, is able to make with these domestic violent extremist groups. We all remember when Donald Trump said at the debate to the Proud Boys to uh, stand back and stand by, um, and that was perceived by them to be a clear message. And it's one thing if you do it one time and you may not understand that it will have that impact, but Donald Trump does it repeatedly. So he knows what impact it will have and then the question becomes whether there were more unknown communications or coordination with these domestic violent extremist group. Uh, but that is certainly something I will be looking for. Uh, Congressman Dan Goldman of New York, it's always a pleasure, sir. Thank you so much for your time. It's great to see you. Thank if, you, Eamon. If you joined us late, I want to tell you why I brought to you. Obviously, that was from Representative Dan Goldman of New York, and it was before Donald Trump was charged for his handling or his involvement in what happened in January 6th. But I wanted to point something out. What is happening is we are seeing a construction job. Literally, it's a construction job. Those on the left have to build something that they can use as a weapon against conservatism against conservatives, and against Donald Trump. That is their task. And they're willing to do and say anything and everything necessary to achieve those objectives. The January 6th committee, you heard Dan Goldman, he referenced what was discovered in their investigation. There was no investigation. There have been investigations by the FBI that is the only arm of our federal government that constitutionally can go out and investigate Americans unless the acts, the alleged criminal acts would be done in local or state jurisdictions. And then, of course, law enforcement at those levels step in. But we're talking about terrorism, domestic terrorism. So I thought I'd just go take a look and find out what the definition of that is so that you can understand what's really going on. So here you go, D domestic terrorism for the FBI's purpose. Here's what it is. 
something that is involving acts dangerous to human life that are a violation of the criminal laws of the United States of or of any state, appearing to be intended to, one, intimidate or coerce a civilian population, two, influence the policy of government by intimidation or coercion, three, affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping, and, and, that's a key word here, those three must include this, occurring primarily within the territorial jurisdiction of the United States. And then they give a caveat, a disclaimer. This is a definitional statute, not a charging statute. We talk about the threat of these actors pose as domestic terrorism threats, but each of the FBI's threat categories described in further detail below uses the words violent extremism because the underlying ideology itself and the advocacy of such beliefs is not prohibited by U.S. law. Now, did you pick up on that? They make it very clear. This is not a statute. It references published uh, L116-92 National Defense Authorization Act for fiscal year 2020. It references that, but the disclaimer, and it's in fine print down at the bottom, it says, use the word violent extremism because the underlying ideology itself and the advocacy of beliefs is not prohibited by U.S. law. So you remember when I said they're creating a scenario. They're, it, it's like they're writing a Broadway musical. And so when you do that, you have to begin, you have to start somewhere, so you lay a foundation. And they did just that with those massive arrests of hundreds of Americans that just went to Washington, D.C. to see Washington, D.C. operate as elections and the results of elections were laid out. 99% of the people that were there were there for peaceful purposes. There is no question there was violence. Now, why don't you back away from January 6th for just a moment? And look around the United States of America. And let's look at places where there was domestic violence. Places like Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington, Minneapolis, Atlanta, New York City, Chicago, Philadelphia. There were acts of violence. People shot and killed. Violence against billions of dollars worth of material infrastructure that people and governments owned, like the federal courthouse in Portland, Oregon. Antifa. You ever hear anybody, you ever hear Dan Goldman mention anything about Antifa or Black Lives Matter? He mentioned one group, Proud Boys. They were portrayed to have stashes of weapons that they had in their cars and trucks parked around the Capitol. All of that was 
of farce. There were no weapons found on any of the Proud Boys, those that were arrested, back at their hotels, those that came and and, uh, stayed. No weapons there. Nothing in their vehicles. But that didn't play into the purpose of this entire thing that now we're getting to the meat of it. Jack Smith, the special counsel, he's the one. It's kind of like he's the the anchor lap in the race. He's the last guy. They come around and pass the baton to him, and he's the one that's got to take it home. We got to get Donald Trump and put him in jail. We can't have him in the White House again. But there's one thing missing, glaringly. Goldman didn't allude to it. Obviously, that leftist media reporter didn't even think about asking it of Goldman because that destroys the whole narrative. The advocacy of such beliefs, the ones that say, you know, you are a domestic terrorist if you appear to be doing things intended to intimidate or coerce a civilian population, influence the policy of government by intimidation or coercion, or affect the conduct of a government by mass destruction, assassination, or kidnapping. None of this stuff happened. None of it happened. And so when they came up with this definition, they had to put in fine print. Described in further detail below, uses the words violent extremism because the underlying ideology itself and the advocacy of such belief is not prohibited by U.S. law. Laws matter. But only when they fit the narrative of the Dan Gomans of the world and the Nancy Pelosi's and Christopher Ray, FBI director, and Attorney General Merrick Garland. They weaponize anything and everything they can against their political motives. To be quite honest with you, in essence, everything you just heard Dan Goldman talk about, any of the MAGA people that got in trouble, you know, those domestic, violent, terrorist, Domestic, domestic, domestic. And then I'll blow you away by telling you this entire part of the January 6th investigation, the entire thing had to be made up after the fact because when they started digging in, they couldn't find mass murders, any murders, people getting killed that day by anybody. Gun violence. None of that happened. There were there were people that did bad things. People were hit, beat up, pepper sprayed. All of those kind of things did happen. But they needed a full-scale armed insurrection so they could drive home in their January 6th committee charade that took months and months and months and tens of millions of taxpayer dollars to try to prop up a narrative that was false from the beginning. Let me finish this segment by just telling you this. If you have 
ever question what people think about you if you're a conservative and other conservatives like-minded in most of the things of government that we're involved in? Don't question it anymore. They think, first of all, they have the right to create these fake scenarios. They have the right to do that. And they actually are confident that they can make more Americans believe this bunk than don't believe this bunk and will therefore make choices and decisions based on things they say, like you heard Dan Goldman say. And if you missed the first part of this segment, afterwards go download the show and listen to the first part of what he had to say because it's it's critical. Our government and people in our government are making permanent life-changing decisions today based upon things that are allegedly wrong, allegedly were done, that weren't wrong, and even if they were done, they weren't criminal or illegal. And the FBI, when they put this paragraph together about domestic terrorism for the FBI's purposes, they put a caveat in there. Because the ideology is not prohibited by law. Their words. It's not prohibited by U.S. law. Unless you take it and turn it into criminal activity, they have no right to even intervene. Of course, when you break the law, you're wrong. You're committing illegal acts, and you should pay the price for it, whatever it is. But they're trying to, and here's where the sleeping giant is finally awakening and saying, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is not right. That sleeping giant is conservatism in America. And it's scaring Democrats to death. They are so afraid of exposure now because they've always been able to hide stuff. And they never got caught. But now more people are saying, hmm, wait a minute. That doesn't smell right. That doesn't make sense. It's not really the truth. Why are they doing that? A bundle of African-Americans, especially African-American men, they've jumped across the aisle and they're supporting Donald Trump. We played two or three of them on this show and they were in all three of them were like-minded in that they're saying when they were asked, why are you supporting Donald Trump through all of these indictments? And they said, He's getting treated just like we've been treated all these years. He's one of us. And then don't think for a second these people are stupid. They're not. They're living in the same circumstances as you or I. They're seeing the same stories. They're seeing the same news broadcast. They're hearing people like Dan Goldman, and they don't like the Dan Goldmans of the world because they're not hearing the truth coming out of his mouth. They're not hearing facts and truth coming out of our FBI director's mouth. Chris Ray, our attorney general, Merrick Garland, it's all being propped up for a political purpose and cause, and we all know what it is. The timing on having this part of this conversation with you was critical today because we're entering a period that is going to be 
without question, the most important political era of the United States of America, other than its initial founding. Because insurrectionists from inside the government are very quietly, very quietly until now, now they're getting louder because they're being quiet's not working and they, they see the sleeping giant is awakening and they don't want that giant to get up and start acting. They want you to go back to sleep. They want all of us to shut up and be quiet. There are people out there that are doing their darndest to shut this show down. Now, why would they even think a thing about little TNN Live, Truth News Network? Why would they do that? We're not on a network. We're not. This is an independent operation. Nobody owns anything in this whole operation except yours truly. And it was purposely created, and it's been perpetrated, and it's going to remain that way. Why? Nobody can edit the content. I can say anything that I want and not be worried about somebody firing me. Kind of like Tucker Carlson. You'll hear from him in just a little bit. He actually came out yesterday and explained why he got fired from Fox News. That kind of stuff will never happen here. The only way we would ever be diminished would be if the government stepped in literally and cut the lines to our satellite distribution company that distributes this show live and then after the fact to 93 different countries via satellite. Don't ever say never, especially when it comes to government, but it would be hard to extinguish this fire and others just like this. And they're desperately trying to take control of the First Amendment and try to lock up the people that are doing exactly what we're doing here. Thank God there are many that have bigger audiences, bigger platforms than us. I'm glad. There needs to be far more of this messaging put out among the population. The population needs to learn now where we are and where they want us to go before it's too late to stop it. And they're in panic mode. Conservatism and conservatives aren't in panic mode. They are because they're being exposed every single day. And let me give you an example. We hear all of the pontification coming out of the Biden administration. Jean-Pierre, she's probably without question the most feckless press secretary the White House has ever had. She refuses to answer any question she doesn't want to answer. And she always says this, especially to people like Peter Ducey, when he asks a question, and it has something to do with the president, but it's not totally to do with the president, as examples, the latest stuff with Hunter Biden. And she just dismisses any of the questions saying, I'm not going to answer that. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to get into that and just refuses to answer it. The heat is getting turned up. But here's what blows my mind, and this illustrates what I heard, as you did, from Dan Goldman when he tried to justify the way the left is going after Donald Trump and others that are supporters of Donald Trump. I wanted you to understand 
what is going on, why it's going on, and what their objective is. And I told you, even before Joe Biden took the oath of office, I told you he would never last a full term. And at that particular time, I felt like it would be literally because of his physical issues, his cognitive disability getting worse as he got older. And I'm sure that's part of it. But what they weren't counting on was the fact that we were going to get a House of Representatives under Republican control with leadership that had the gonads to open up and let anything and everything that is in there be revealed to the world, including all of the quote-unquote alleged wrongdoing on the part of the President of the United States and other of his family members that directly impacts the President of the United States. And they can't believe that the American people are seeing and hearing and watching all this stuff play out live around the world. And we're all saying, well, if that's not corruption, if that's not illegal activity, what is it? Why and what are they trying to hide? That's the question that every American needs to ask every day. When you watch or hear an interview, I don't care if it's uh, a Republican, a Democrat, or it's on a news network that's leftist or conservative, ask the question, what are they hiding and why are they hiding it? And when I use they, I mean, it doesn't matter what their party affiliation is. There's plenty of wrongdoing to go everywhere. That's not the point. The point is we need everything out there. The American people are the ones that are supposed to know everything, to have all the facts, because the people that are up there that are investigating all of this, they work for us, we the people, and we need to know if there has been no wrongdoing, why doesn't Joe Biden just get Jim and Hunter and the grandkids in a room, the ones that got all that money wired from overseas, give us all the documents that prove and justify there's no wrongdoing that went on, that everything's on the up and up. If there's no culpability there, why wouldn't they do that? We know the money already changed hands. We know that it came to distribution places in various Hunter Biden LLCs. We know all of that stuff. And they're trying to hang on to this. Well, there's no direct corroboration that the president of the United States got any of that money. Seriously? Is that the hill on which they want to die? Because every day now, something new slips out. They've been trying to hide it, and more and more of America are asking this daily. Wait a minute. That Delaware judge, did you hear what she did yesterday? Why wouldn't they just open up and give all that information to the judge in the Justice Department? What are you talking about? Well, you remember that unbelievable plea deal that went before that Delaware judge, the federal judge there, and they had come up with this agreement to drop 
the felony gun charge against Hunter Biden as part of that plea deal. And she said, wait a minute, you can't do all that. And she kicked it out. Everybody thought, well, that's that's just it. It's over. It's not going to ever show back up. Well, she changed that over the weekend. She put out the word and demanded a status report from Biden, Hunter, and his team. A status report regarding that felony gun charge against Hunter. Mary Ellen Noriega, that's her name. She directed lawyers to give the report by Wednesday next week, including any steps they believe the court needs to take. In other words, make a recommendation to the court. In other words, she's saying, no, no, no. He's not going to skate by. That's a felony. And he is not innocent. He did. Here's the documentation under which he lied, under perjury of litigation, of criminal activity. Hunter's attorneys have argued a diversion agreement. And what that is, they give that pretty much to drug recovering drug addicts when they break laws. They'll give them a diversion agreement which spares them from prosecution on charges like this gun charge, even though it was the gun thing was inextricably linked to a plea deal on the misdemeanor tax offenses that weren't misdemeanor tax offenses. They were felonies, but they called them misdemeanor because they couldn't prosecute them anyway. They had passed the time uh, to be able to take action. The judge dismissed the tax case. Prosecutors indicated they plan to pursue tax charges against Biden's son in another district, perhaps California or even Washington, D.C. I don't know why they picked those two. Why not go to a conservative district like uh, Delaware, where this judge sits? Meanwhile, prosecutors maintain the agreement on the gun charge, which contains unprecedented, never-before-seen immunity provisions against federal prosecutions for other potential crimes. In other words, if this plea deal had gone through and new evidence came out that put Hunter Biden right in the middle of it all, uncontroverted that he did all this wrongdoing and it was criminal, he couldn't be prosecuted for it. And the judge made it clear that that offer, that plea deal, it's no longer valid. If some new stuff comes up, he's going to pay the piper. The two-part deal on tax and gun charges, it was supposed to have wrapped up a years-long investigation overseen by that brain surgeon attorney, U.S. attorney in Delaware, David Weiss. He's the one that was best friends with Hunter Biden's older brother, the one that died with brain cancer. Bo Biden was the attorney general for Delaware, and David Weiss, that U.S. attorney, and big brother were best friends. But there's no conflict for David Weiss to be the appointed special prosecutor now <laughs> into the Hunter Biden thing. Oh, my gosh. The deal fell apart after the judge raised questions about its term during a hearing last month. Among other issues... Prosecutors weren't able to resolve the judge's concerns about giving Biden immunity for certain crimes as part of the diversion agreement instead of in the plea deal. Typically, a non-prosecution agreement where they pull their hands back and say, 
ah, we're not going to prosecute you on that. We're going to cut a deal. Typically, that non-prosecution agreement is not presented to a judge, and it requires no court input. They just report to the judge what both sides agreed to. A plea deal, on the other hand, must be presented to a judge. But prosecutors tried to structure Biden's tax plea deal in a way that left the judge with no discretion to accept or reject it. She expressed concern that attorneys were asking her to simply rubber stamp the deal, which she said ain't going to happen. Pressed by Noriega, prosecutor Leo Wise in the case, he said he could find no precedent for agreeing not to prosecute Biden for crimes that have nothing to do with the gun case or the charges being diverted. Weiss also acknowledged that he had never seen a diversion agreement in which the agreement not to prosecute is so broad that it encompasses crimes in other cases. And he would have been exempt from any future litigation or criminal action for anything that came up later. Oh, we forgot to tell you about this one. He couldn't be prosecuted again. This all goes back to who the heck do the Bidens think they are? And do they think that we the people are just going to lay down and let them walk over? Let me drop another bomb on you right now. Hunter appears to have received $100,000 from President Joe Biden back in 2018 when he was experiencing some financial difficulties. This is according to some of those new unearthed archived emails between the First Son and Wells Fargo. Hunter Biden emailed two Wells Fargo advisors November 1st, 2018, letting them know about an incoming transfer of $100,000 from J.R.B. Jr., Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., a moniker referring to his dad, who was out of political office at the time. So let me just, while I've got it up here, let me just read you emails. This is from Robert Hunter, subject incoming wire and transfer from, and it was sent to Edward Pruitt at Wells Fargo. Thank you, good sir, Tally Ho. And it was from this original email. A wire will be coming from J.R.B. Jr.'s act shortly for $100,000 to account number, and they redacted it. Please use these funds to complete the transfer to Kathleen. Could you please transfer $3,000 into the account ending, and it's redacted. I cannot do so online. Hmm. A wire will be coming in. Hunter Grand. Hunter Biden said, according to emails on his laptop, please use those funds to complete the transfer to Kathleen. This stuff just keeps going on and on and on. And I'll go back and we'll finish this whole segment by asking this question one more time. If they've done nothing wrong, Hunter, Joe, Jim, that's Joe's brother, Jim, who was in the middle of this entire Biden family syndicate operation. If nothing is wrong, 
Nothing criminal. Nothing at all. Why are you hiding so desperately? Why not just give the American people the facts? And if it is, as you represent, straight up, legal, no quid pro quo, no access, no deals later with any government or anybody even not in government, just nothing using the power of your position. Give it all to the American people or you need to resign, Mr. President, because it's not going to end well for you if you keep going down this road. Drinking water is essential to your health. That's why you need to drink plenty of water to keep you hydrated throughout the day. Unlike power drinks or soft drinks, water is truly the only drink that can quench your thirst. It's an easy, refreshing way to keep your body healthy and strong. Freshen up today with a brisk, cool bottle of water. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance, and people love it. Of course, they love the savings they're going to get with GEICO, but it goes beyond that. You deserve to save. (laughs) Heard that before. You deserve to save. I know. I need you to hear me. You deserve to save. I deserve to save. I mean, he has a way of making you feel seen. Bundle car and motorcycle insurance and save at geico.com. Believe in the power of friendship. Really? You guys are good. (laughs) Movies right when you want them. Watch unlimited movies instantly for only nine bucks a month from Netflix. That's so cute, it's stupid. This is your home. This is your family room slash gym. The guest bedroom slash music studio. The day bed slash dog bed. The living room slash yoga shanti slash regional office. How did you guys do it? Slash classroom. And this is the basement slash panic room. Maybe what your family needs is a vacation home slash vacation home. Find yours on the Verbo app. Saying it out loud. No spin, only the truth. Again, Dan Newman. Did you pick up on any of that uh, Wall Street Journal poll that came out the other day? We don't put a lot of stock in polls We use them mostly here to kind of come up with a trend. Where are the people thinking kind of in a wave as more information comes out, more things happen? Anyway, I thought you'd kind of like to hear a little bit about this. When more voters, according to this poll, they think that Trump has a vision for the future, more think that's so than think that Joe Biden has that vision. Hmm. 44% think Biden has a vision for the nation. 52% think Trump does. If this race is about personality and temperament, then Biden might have an advantage. If this race is about policies and performance, then Trump has the advantage. Polls showed 36% of voters think Biden is mentally fit for the job. 36%. 46% believe Trump is mentally fit for the presidency. And I don't know what those uh, what those 36%, those people that think Biden is fit for the job, I don't know what they're watching or listening to. You've heard stuff. In fact, you're going to hear something in just a second 
that proves he isn't fit for the job. And I didn't think he ever was. Last night, Laura Ingram on Fox News, she does a bit at the beginning of her show. I, I can't remember what she calls it. I think it's the Ingram angle. And every once in a while, she just hits a home run. I don't watch Fox News every night. I'll do maybe little bits and pieces. You try to have a life, even when you do the stuff that we do here. But it's really important to get pieces that you can put together. If you were at the top of the show this morning, you heard that interview with Congressman Dan Goldman, New York, hardcore leftist from New York, and he pontificates on anything and everything. Every time he gets a a television camera microphone in front of him, he goes crazy. That's what he did this morning. We have to catch stuff like that because if we don't, we can't come out and expose like we did with Dan Goldman as saying stuff that's just not true. It's sad, but many on the left. Now, lying is not for a specific political party. There's plenty enough of that to go around. We know that. But when the left, when they get on a topic, when they get on something that every Democrat is pounding into the the concrete on the ground, you know that it's coordinated and they have a cause. And so what I've got to do for you guys, I've got to dig in and make sure when these causes come up that we find out exactly what's going on. Laura Ingram is really good about doing that herself. And last night, she kind of plugged in. I wanted you to hear this. I was back in the spring of 2020. It was clear to us that Biden would be kind of a hologram candidate, conveniently helped by COVID and the D.C. press corps. And the angle told you what the real dynamic would be if Biden actually won the presidency. He's just going to be a figurehead president. Americans won't be voting for a man who can articulate a serious policy agenda, let alone defend it. They'll be voting for the party machine's geriatric puppet. Now, if you didn't believe me then, well, you should now. Now, it's a kind of a cynical, cruel hoax that Democrats are playing on America because from day one, Joe Biden has been president in name only. Our enemies know it, and our allies, like the Israeli president in July, they're cringing. And we brought Israelis and Palestinians together at a political level, and they, uh, and, uh, and Akwa and Shram. We need a translation by a vowel something. Now, people often ask me, who's really in charge at the White House, Laura? Is it Obama, Goldman Sachs, the Pentagon, big tech, the donors? I always say, who knows? But it ain't this guy. Nearly 13,500,000 jobs just since you got me sworn in 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 January of 2020. Our Secretary of the the Defense, uh, Secretary Austin, Secretary McDonough, the Army, the Secretary of the Army, Warmoth, Chairman Milley, and uh, Senator Black, where's Senator? Uh, Senator Blackburn. I thought it was Senator Blah for a moment. So aren't the Democrats embarrassed? Why do they stick with this guy? Because he's wrecked everything he's touched. Migrants from his open border, they're overrunning our cities. And inflation, it's a nightmare for working families. Most Americans are a $400 unexpected expense away from bankruptcy. 
Is that a selling point for Bidenomics, by the way? What a great vice president she is. No wonder Biden's numbers are horrible. Check out the most recent Gallup poll. Only 37% somewhat or strongly approve of his handling of the economy. But we have to remember, Biden, the figurehead, he's a perfect president for the globalist Democrats. Why is that? Because he'll never give the establishment any pushback. Not against the open border, not against keeping wages low, not against high energy prices, certainly not against their Ukraine policy, and not against the trans insanity. And that's just how they like him, compliant. But the voters, at least on some of this stuff, they don't agree. A new poll shows that 73% of all voters, including two-thirds of the Democrats, believe that Biden's too old for another term. Two-thirds of Democrats. Yet what's amazing is the party that claims to be the great guardians of democracy is itself run by a dictatorship of the elites. Even NBC News is admitting that the Democratic elites who hold high office raise the money and pound the campaign message that they're all in when it comes to President Joe Biden's reelection. In other words, what Democrat voters think or what they want is not relevant to the party establishment. They readily concede that they hear doubts about whether Biden is up to the job. Their response? Get over it. Get over it? That's how they treat their own voters. No wonder the entire country is such a mess. There's zero hesitation about running over their base. If that means in the end that we have higher energy costs, that we have an open border, that we have endless deficit spending. Those things, by the way, are not accidents. Those are the actual policies. Keep the standard of living low. Control the people. But the problem is their policies of lowering everyone's standard of living, war in Ukraine, the attacks on fossil fuels, they're actually hurting the voters that they desperately need to turn out to vote. As the New York Times was forced to acknowledge today, noting the marked deterioration in Mr. Biden's support among registered non-white voters compared to 2020, it's startling. But again, the people pulling Biden's uh, levers seem to be oblivious about this. For them, it's full steam ahead. It's Biden or bust. But there's at least one Democrat in office who is not afraid to speak the truth. And he's from Minnesota, Congressman Dean Phillips. My call is for the president to pass the torch. Uh, I, I think that would be in the country's best interest and certainly Democrats. I'm worried about the five or six swing states, uh, the battlegrounds that are the most consequential. I've called for some of the moderate governors, people representing those very states to consider entering as alternatives. Now, Phillips himself considered a run for about five minutes, but then he saw what was coming down the track at him if he did so. But let's face it, all of them are scared to take on the party establishment. Look at what they've already done to their once celebrated liberals. I think it's mad for the left uh, to vote for Cornell West when fascism is at the door. And I think there's something very wrong with Bobby Kennedy Jr. This is a very dangerous guy with a very storied name that is casting a dark shadow. I don't consider Marion Williamson to be much of a threat. I think the best way to handle her is not to address her at all. Mm, how convenient, the party of free debate. And what's perhaps the most pathetic development this entire long weekend at Biden's is how the media have become nothing more than establishment apparatchiks. Pummeling the guy with growing minority support, Trump, who actually takes on his party's old guard, and then propping up the man protected by the plutocrats 
who can't be trusted to find his way off a stage. Some people may be disappointed with Joe Biden, but they'll find him more acceptable than Donald Trump. And that Donald Trump has a ceiling beyond which he cannot grow, whereas Biden at least has the potential of bringing people back home to him. Whoa, 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 whoa. Peter Baker, he's once a really respected reporter at the New York Times. Does he not read the polls about minority voters abandoning the Democrat Party? Now, the fact is, so-called journalists love the Democrat dictatorship themselves that's actually keeping Biden right where he is. And they like it for the same reason. The same reason they love mail-in ballots, ballot harvesting, proposals for online voting even, and the lockdowns. Because they don't really trust the voters, not even their own. We, the voters, have to destroy the Republican Party in order to save it. This is a, a chaotic, um, uh, in many ways authoritarian, um, incoherent kind of, of agglomeration uh, that's not really an organized political party, that doesn't really have a, a coherent philosophy or governing program, uh, except tear it down. Gene. Tear what down? A, a vibrant economy? Immigration enforcement? Our energy independence? Our history? Nope. That's what the forces behind Biden did and are still doing. That's the fallout from a figurehead presidency. And it's all according to plan, whether you like it or not. And that's the angle. Uh, just a PS there. The whole thing about politics has now it's boiled down to just one thing. Conservatism, bad. Leftist, liberalism, progressivism, whatever label they slap on it, it doesn't matter. It's good. That's the perception that everybody that is a Democrat is required to put out on the marketplace. If you talk politics, oh, you've got to automatically, you can't just sit there and talk about things without letting who you're talking to know, hey, I'm a Democrat. If you don't do that, everything, every word, everything you utter is totally immaterial. Because if you are not Democrat like-minded at least, your opinions, your thoughts, your desires, everything you think is valueless in that particular world. Facts don't matter anymore. They don't care that $8,400, that's how much more I paid this year for the same things that I had Donald Trump's last year in office. $8,400 more for the exact same thing. Did I get a big raise, $8,400? No, did you? Very few of us did. And they don't come out and give us any concept of what they're going to do to change things. In fact, they want you to think they don't need to change things. You're living in panacea. Everything is cool. It's a Joe Biden world. You just need to sing a song and write a bigger tax check. And as far as anything you need, well, if you can't afford it now, you don't need it because we, the government, we make sure you have everything that you actually need. So just sit down and be quiet. Don't denigrate what I'm telling you is their operating process. 
That's the way they think. And to be successful in that, they've got to get bigger chunks of the American population other than conservatives. They they go for the skin color. They go for the sex. They go for the college education. They go for all of those things. They dig deep. And they go after those people trying to make those people believe if you're not like-minded with us, oh, you're worthless. You, your attitude, your, your opinions and stuff mean nothing to anybody except you. If you want to make a difference, you got to come join us. Think like us. Talk like us. And act like us. And the number one thing is you've got to hate everybody that thinks different than we do politically. If you don't do that, you're not worthy. Forget about the facts. Forget about the energy independence that we had. We were energy independent October of election year. You realize that in 2020. First time in decades. We had all the oil and gas and energy production capabilities that we needed, and we were selling the on top of what we needed stuff to other nations around the world, our allies. First day in the White House, Joe Biden did, he ended that. He just, bam, started shutting it down. And that's part of the $8,400 more I paid and you paid this year than you paid last year. But you can't talk about that. You can't talk about what is happening from their policies. Let me give you an example. Have you, have you driven across any part of the nation where these big wind farms are? Not long ago. I forget what it was, but I was on a trip. I was on a Harley. It was by myself. I was traveling by myself across northwest Texas. I was, I was on my way into New Mexico, I remember. So I went on I-20 from here, went through Dallas-Fort Worth, and I got right close to, not Lubbock, Anyway, one of those cities that you exit off of I-20 as you're going toward the end of I-20 where it goes down and it joins I-10, just about 200 miles east of El Paso. And I turned right, and I was headed up to go into northern, northeastern New Mexico. And there were probably 200, maybe 300 of these big turbines that were out in the fields along this. It made an amazing racket, even on the back of a Harley. But it was awe-inspiring to me because technology, I mean, you look at those big things, they're massive. So those are good things, right? It's good that we have them. Well, guess what we found out? Some small-town residents out in Texas and also up in Iowa, they're frustrated by the mounting piles of wind farm waste in their communities. Listen to this. None of the materials that are going into those wind farms, those turbines, those wind blades, they don't last forever. The turbines that onshore wind developments use to generate power can be up to 200 feet in length, and the material they're made is rigid, and it doesn't regenerate. 
stays as waste material forever. All of this makes the equipment difficult to remove or recycle after their decommission, and they are taken down. They have a shelf life. That's a reality which can lead to these turbines piling up in communities like little town of Sweetwater, Texas, irritating some of the locals who have to live in close proximity to the waste. You can't bury them. You can't burn them. You can't cut them up. They just lay out there. Discarded turbines now occupy about 30 acres of land in Sweetwater. Locals are worried there may not be a viable plan for getting rid of the equipment, leaving the piles of material to sit as dens for rattlesnakes and mosquito breeding hotbeds. It's a hazard all the way around, Sweetwater resident Pam Meyer said. It's just a big rattlesnake farm. Company that owns the waste, they reportedly made arrangements to handle the decommissioned equipment, but most of the waste remains in plots of land around Sweetwater. They have, in my view, abandoned them there. That's Samantha Morrow, the Nolan County, Texas attorney, said that. The county doesn't have and cannot find the millions of dollars to clean this up. And then over on the East Coast, we've had dozens of whales just wash up on the beach. It just so happens it's in the proximity of one of the largest offshore wind farms on the eastern seaboard. But they're not the cause for these whales that are dying. What are the, where are the green energy people? Where are the people that are supposedly taking responsibility to make sure that you and I are all in for Green New Deal energy production so that we can save the world? You know, we got to stop climate change. We got to go to these wind farms. We can't do, we can no longer do nuclear energy because those reactors can blow up and it's horrible when they do. But of course, what do they do? Wind farms. Wind farms that will not denigrate, they will not, the materials after you take them down when they expire and you can't use them any longer. Those massive 200 feet long blades have got to lay on the ground somewhere and you can't turn them into anything else. They're there in perpetuity, but you can't talk about those things. That's more of what I was referencing when you heard Dan Goldman speak and you heard Laura Ingram speak. Facts don't necessarily matter to the left. And we on the right, we need to understand that. Just because they say something is truthful definitely doesn't mean it's truthful. In fact, if they make a big deal out of it, you can almost guarantee that it's not factual, that they're trying to hide something. They don't want the facts to get out there. In fact, what we all should do when they go postal on these issues, go find out the facts. Pretty much the facts are going to be 180 degrees away from what they say the facts are. Truth matters, folks. We just got to find the truth and pounce on it and scream loud and tell everybody around. They said this, but here is the truth. Great message in the Bible. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. It all begins and ends with that one thing, truth. The verdict is in. Judge Steve Harvey.
sleep good time. What do you think she spent the money on? Lipo and a butt drop. You got as long as you need to respond to that. Judge Steve Harvey, new Tuesday on ABC. Genuine Ford Parts and Service presents A Word From Your Wallet. Are we at the gas station? Yeah, I know. I'm feeling these gas prices, too. I'm the wallet down here. Head to a Ford dealership. Why? Proper vehicle maintenance. A new air filter can save 19 cents a gallon. Correct tire inflation up to 6 cents a gallon. Wow, that sure adds up. Fat wallets are very in right now. Right now, Motorcraft air filter replacement is just $19.95 or less. Replacing a dirty air filter can increase fuel economy by as much as 10%. Well, done. That was easy. Maybe you should listen to your wallet more often. Well, you're typically pretty quiet. Well, I didn't want to be a pain in the... Uh, 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 uh. Hurry in for the best deals we've had in years. Money-saving rebates on brakes, batteries, tires, and more. See your participating Ford dealer today. Raid Shadow Legends. I mean... <laughs> you pick your champions, they're glorious, and their shields, oh, they glisten like uh, wet otters. But the bad guys, they're Lovecraftian, they're spooky, they're um, um, big. And then you go to battle, and it's like... And finally, your foe is vanquished, and that satisfaction such a primal feeling. Ooh, download Raid Shadow Legends. Play for free. Ready to take your Jenga skills to the next level? If you're an all-star at building towers and balancing blocks, then build up the competition in new Jenga Maker. Play in teams to finish first and claim the crown. Jenga and new Jenga Maker. Reach the top of your game, each sold separately. The Speaker of the House lies. The media swear to it. The President of the Senate obstructs. The media are all over the place, but totally divorced from the truth. So let's get back to navigating this Stygian River with, again, Dan Newman. You know, I need to figure out where that river is. The Stygian River. S-T-Y-G-I-A-N. Never have really thought about that. Oh, well. Well, some other stuff. Arizona. Yeah, there is a southern border right below Arizona, and there are a southern border state. I get it. But it, because of the tough terrain and stuff, it's really not one of the big places where illegal immigrants keep flooding across our southern border. Oh, that's still happening? Illegals are coming into our nation? Nobody's talking about it. We thought they turned the spigot off down there. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's worse than it's been in a long time. And Arizona's border sector has become the deadliest crossing point for those illegals. Hmm, it's becoming a debt trap for many migrants. The Tucson sector, Tucson, Arizona, has the dubious distinction of being the deadliest in the nation for alien crossing the border from Mexico. Temperatures along the border, I don't need to tell you, they rise when the sun comes up. Migrant groups steadily making their way into Lukeville, Arizona. For many... When they surrender to Border Patrol agents, it marks the end of their journey to reach the United States. For others who choose to avoid the Border Patrol to keep from getting captured, the Arizona desert is becoming a death trap. Migrant deaths in the Tucson Border Patrol sector this year rose by more than 167%. Encounters of these people in the sector have also risen by more than 160%, maintaining the ratio between those who cross and those who die in the harsh environment out there. According to a source within Customs and Border Patrol, 
During August, 24 deceased migrants were recovered by the agents across the Tucson sector. 24. That number is up from the nine deceased migrants the agency recovered back in August of 2022. The sector led every other sector for deceased migrant recoveries for the month of August. Since October, Border Patrol recovered more than 150 deceased migrants in the remote desert area within the sector. Most die from heat-related injuries. These death reports don't include those whose bodies were recovered by other law enforcement agencies further inland and don't involve Border Patrol personnel or resources in the recovery. So the dead that are crossing, it's much higher than the numbers that we just gave you. According to the source, this means the actual death count is higher than the statistics reporting by the Border Patrol. Deaths usually involve migrants who cross into the U.S. and more remote areas of the desert and also the high mountain areas in that Tucson sector. This category includes illegals from Mexico or other countries who likely face expulsion if they're caught. According to a source, this makes rescue and recovery even more difficult. Now, pretty much once a week, I have to circle the wagons around all of this stuff that relates to the illegal crossings and what we're dealing with at the southern border. I I try hard to justify what the Biden administration is doing and has been doing and will continue to do until they're stopped, which is to let these illegals pour into the nation with so much lacking on who they are letting into the nation. You know, we have a pretty significant history in our rearview mirror of what happens among many of these people. Although we all know everybody that comes across is not a criminal. Everybody is not a bad person. But we don't know who the ones that are and who the ones that are not. But that shouldn't even be a point of contention. Listen, if you're an American, do you know what differentiates this country and has since the beginning of it from any other country in the world? There's one thing that makes us special and different, and that is the structure of our justice system and making sure there are not two or three or four different levels of justice And it's not decided by some elite group at the top of the government, whether that's a royal family or elected sycophants like we have in large part in Congress in Washington, D.C. and in the White House. It's supposed to be equal justice under the law for everybody. You were supposed to get the same treatment that Joe Biden gets. You're not supposed to be relegated to some lesser role in life because of your last name, your skin color, your ethnicity, your nation of origin. Equal justice, equal opportunity under the law. And to accept anything less than that is a slap in the face 
of every one of our founders and forefathers and those that have given their lives defending that very thing throughout our nation's history. I will never forget Vietnam, the Vietnam crisis, never declared a war. I wasn't of the age to go potentially be called up to go to Vietnam. But I had a first cousin when they put in the uh, uh, the lottery. He got called up. Fortunately, I don't even remember the exact circumstances, but he didn't have to go. But I remember those that were coming back. My older brother was in the Navy. And he, being in the Navy, he didn't go ashore in Vietnam, wasn't caught up in uh, the war itself. But he was in the military. And I'll never forget... This was during a time when um, the hippie movement was going on, LSD, illegal drugs, hard rock music, hallucinogenics were everywhere, and everything that the government did was evil. And so right in the middle of that hatred by people of that generation was anything and everything and everybody that was part of the Vietnam War. I remember these GIs coming back, and I remember being in Dallas-Fort Worth the airport. I don't, I don't even remember what it was for. I don't know if we were picking somebody up or somebody was leaving, but a group of Army guys got off a plane and were walking through the lobby of the Dallas airport. There were probably 40 or 50 of them walking in hand, and people were screaming at them, one person even went up and spit on one of them, was cursing them, damning them for being over there, killing these innocent people, when all they did was what legally they had to do. They were drafted. They had to go into the military because it was the law. I remember all of that. But we're not in anything like that now. Thank God. But what? we are as Americans is a place that we need to bleed out what we have been given and is inside of us. And included among that is not only the right, but the responsibility to the rule of law. We're not just supposed to not break the law. We're supposed to make sure that everybody in our purview does that too. And that means politicians. And I told you all of this to tell you my stopping point in tolerance of a government, a U.S. government, and anybody and everybody within it. If you are in the federal government in any capacity, even if you're a contractor, you're a defense contractor, or you're somebody that works for a defense contracted company, I expect you, especially you, to demand the rule of law be over everything that you do and everybody that is in your purview honors that fact. So if you put that in the context of criminality, how do you answer this? Why does Joe Biden every day make it obvious that he supports ignoring federal immigration laws and just letting all these people come in. 
To do that, let me just point out a few things. To do that and to justify it, he has to ignore what the lawbreakers among those hundreds of thousands and millions that have come across illegally, us not knowing who they are, where they came from, what they brought with them, and what they were in their home countries doing. They brought all of that with them, not knowing what that is. But that shouldn't matter. It shouldn't matter at all. Because they're doing it illegally, they should not be allowed to do it. There is a massive structure, step by step, in federal law. We've gone over it. I've read it to you. We published stories on it. Here's what you can do, and here's what, if you don't do it, here's the penalties that you pay for breaking immigration laws. The President of the United States, the Vice President of the United States, the Secretary of Homeland Security, they're all guilty of suborning the criminality of illegal immigration. There is no such thing as illegal immigration. Immigration itself is a legal process. And if you step foot in this nation and you do it in a form other than is legally provided under the law, you are a criminal and you have committed criminal acts and you should be held accountable. And all of those, if there are any of them, that subverted, that assisted, that made it possible for you to break laws, under the same federal statute, they're guilty just as you are. There's no penalty for breaking those federal laws. There are none. So how do they get away with continuing it? You have a kid that decides they're going to go to this convenience store, ride their bicycles there, or get in a car with a buddy and go in this convenience store and steal something. Stick it in their pockets and leave. And they keep doing it over and over and over. And you know they're doing it. What happens? It's not just going to be, that's it. They're just going to, maybe it's a, you know, a pack of sweet tarts or a candy bar or whatever it is. No. Human nature dictates that unless and until we are held accountable for our wrongdoing, human nature is going to dictate that we continue to do it. And every time we do it again, it's going to be with impunity. We're not even considering the consequences that are there because there aren't any. Any of these illegals coming in, talk about no consequences. In fact, their life instantly for the rest of their lives gets way better because of the illegal actions of our president, vice president, head of Homeland Security, Christopher Ray, FBI director, Merrick Garland, attorney general. All these people turned a blind eye and let it happen and supported happening and taxpayers are being saddled with trillions of dollars for the expense. And nobody is being held accountable. 
That, my friends, should be the only thing necessary to get rid of somebody. And it should be the easiest and the most obvious thing to do to get rid of somebody that refuses to enforce the law and has the ability and the responsibility to do that. And they're just not doing it. How do you reconcile that? You can't. And it's just laying out there. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody even wants to mention it. It's like it's the one in the room, the obvious one in the room, but we act like it's never there. So we don't have to talk about it. We don't have to deal with it, but we are dealing with it. It's just like all of those emails that we find out. You know, we've got these different email addresses that it comes out that Joe Biden had, five or six different ones. I don't understand the logic for allowing anybody in government to have a conversation, to do any official business on any email address other than the ones that legally they have and are supposed to use, but they do it. There's no law, there's no authority that gives them the right to do it. They just take it. We want to do it, so we're going to do it. So, okay, you work for us. Here's what we're going to do. We want to see all of those emails that you sent and or received using those email addresses, and we go through the legal process. We file a Freedom of Information Act petition to get you to release it. And under the law as a government person, you are supposed to release that to us. So recently, after this was discovered, this was going on, Joe Biden has got 5,400 of those, we found out. So there was a petition that was sent under the FOIA law and they got back some of those emails they asked for. I'm going to let Stephen Miller tell you exactly the details. And this just exemplifies what I'm talking about. No accountability for doing things wrong. If you're a Democrat and you're in our government. Former senior advisor to the president, Stephen Miller, along with Fox News contributor Lisa Booth. Stephen, let's go to the, the FOIA request that you and your group made. Let's go to the hand you redacted materials, which are absolutely useless. They're specifically claiming executive privilege on, on emails under pseudonyms to his son, Joe Biden, and what he might have shared as it relates to top secret uh, or classified information. Do we know anything more about that? Yes, well, this is really a staggering development, Sean. After the Mar-a-Lago raid, we sent a FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act, to the National Archives demanding production of vice presidential records from Joe Biden's time as vice president relating to Hunter Biden's business dealings and Rosemont Seneca. When they didn't reply as required by law and obey that FOIA request, we took them to court. We sued them here in Washington, D.C. As a result of that litigation, they have started turning over large numbers of emails, which document how extensively the Biden vice presidency colluded and collaborated with Hunter Biden. But here's the kicker, Sean. In the last batch of emails, 
They redacted, fully redacted, just wiped out, blacked out, disappeared, 200 emails relating to Hunter Biden's business operations in Rosemont Seneca. They asserted executive privilege over 200 separate communications. What is in those emails, Sean? What is so sensitive about the operations of our federal government that Hunter Biden and Rosemont Seneca had access to? So we are in court now. We will press this issue. We will see if we can get access to those emails. And we're, of course, coordinating with the incredible House Oversight Committee and James Comer. But we must get to the bottom of what is buried inside these redacted emails. And, and by the way, there's more than that, though. We got 5,400 under pseudonyms that we'd like to get a hold of all of them, wouldn't we? And uh, aren't these pseudonyms, Stephen Miller, aren't they being used to protect against or to try and hide the fact that Joe Biden was sending them? Yes, exactly. So as you mentioned, in addition to the emails that were conducted under Biden's own name, you have five and the names of his senior advisors and staff. You have 5,000 plus emails through a series of pseudonyms. This is what James Comer is going to hopefully be able to get. So we're running these parallel investigations with what I'm doing, what James Comer is doing. But it is my supposition that you will find in those pseudonym emails an elaborate foreign bribery scheme that will be game, set, match for Joe Biden. We've already documented, and you have gone over the Sean better than anybody, the tens of millions of dollars going into the Biden family coffers at the same time as Joe Biden is conducting favors for these foreign countries and foreign business partners. Those pseudonym emails, in my opinion, will be the nail in the coffin on this story. I think you're right as well. And by the way, James Comer and Jim Jordan will join us. Lisa, great to see you. White House treating uh, Joe like a toddler. You saw him walk out of that, that ceremony earlier today. It was beyond bizarre. Two-thirds of Democrats say he's too old to run. <laughs> a dramatic decrease in minorities. His treatment of the people of Maui, the people of Florida, East Palestine, just hasn't had the time since March to go over to Ohio and help the people out after, the, you know, they've lost everything and many, many neighborhoods now evacuated because of the radiation fallout. So, Joe Biden, Nobody can tell me and make me believe that he doesn't have a different set of values, a different set of legal things, things that he can do that are illegal, but he, because he's president, can do and get away with. And a reminder, we told our kids this when they were little, just because you get away with something doesn't mean you should do whatever it is. You should do what's right regardless of whether you want to do it or not. Sometimes you've got to do stuff that you don't like, that you don't want to do because it's the right thing to do. And other times there are things that you would like to do you can't do simply because you're not supposed to do it. That whole conundrum is vapid from this administration. They don't give a rip with impunity. Every day they throw more and more of this crud into the faces of Americans and they laugh at us. If you don't like it, do something about it, big boy. Knowing full well we can't do anything about it. We don't have the power or authority to do it even though we should. And technically, if we went through the legal hurdles, we could do something about it. But you have a protected class 
of individuals in government. And they're immune from any prosecution. They get to do whatever they want to do, and nobody holds them accountable, so they just keep on trucking. It's like the kid that keeps stealing from the convenience store. If you don't stop it, it's not going to stop. It's just not going to stop. And that, my friends, is scary to me. They could redact, not parts of, but 200 of these Joe Biden emails. There was no email. It was just a page that had an email on it, but the entire thing was redacted. No idea of who it was sent by, no idea of who it was sent to, no idea of the content, no idea of when it happened. Now, who would do that? Who would do that? 200 emails. If the IRS sent you a letter today, just a form letter that said, we've got a question about your last tax return. We need you to send us copies of these receipts. And it was a list of them. Bam, 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 bam. And you looked at the letter from the IRS, and it was sent legally. The IRS has the right and the responsibility to make sure we all fire, file our tax returns and they're legitimate and correct and we're supposed to do it under certain circumstances. So when we get those letters, we jump on them typically. We all do. Uh, Not Hunter Biden. He made millions of dollars from Burisma Holdings just because he served on the board $2 million, and he didn't file or pay any income taxes on that. Now, why would he not do that? Isn't he supposed to? Well, I'm Joe Biden's son. And so far, he's gotten away with it. Two different classes of people. But to have the unmitigated gall, whoever it was at the government office that processed that FOIA request you just heard about, to totally redact 200 of those emails and actually send them back, that is literally the worst example of a slap in the face that would come from anybody in our government from somebody that works for us and has a responsibility to us. What kind of world are we living in? What kind of government do we have? Or do we have a government? Are we just plebes out there, lambs, Just at somebody else's whim and whimper, we're having our lives run by others for us. They just do anything they want to do and tell us what we can and can't do, and that's the way it is. You don't like it. If you're in power, you can make life hell for somebody that's not. And they're doing a good job of that. I'm asked all the time, what do you think? What would you like to see happen? Very simple. I would like for us to go back to a paper election system across the board. You got to go vote. And if you can't vote on a specific day or time, then you can go in early and vote. But there needs to be paper ballots that backs up everything. 
I'm also asked, asked pretty regularly when we get into discussions about voting system, what's the best voting system you know of? It's in Afghanistan. Now, wait a minute. They're the epitome of a third world country. We're the greatest country on the planet and you don't like our voting system? I despise our voting system. It's full of opportunities to cheat. And we know there is a massive amount of cheating that goes on. And, of course, they want to shut us down. They, at the top of the government, they want us to not say that kind of stuff. But then, all of a sudden, after we go through the court rankings, here's what you got to do. File a case. They don't want to open it or allow it to be heard in that district, so they kick it out. It takes time, but you find it, and then months later, we hear about this many votes were cast illegally in such and such an election, but because it didn't get heard on the initial filing, we're told, oh, they were all kicked out of court. Trump filed 10 cases. He filed 10 cases of voter fraud in the 2020 election. 10 of them. We were told it was dozens, and they were all turned down. The only one of those cases that was heard, he won. Did you hear about that one? No, you didn't hear about it. Well, what happened to the other nine? They didn't even get to court because when they filed them, the court determined they did not have standing to file those nine lawsuits. So the court never heard them. But the one that was, he won. And then here's a question. How much cheating is okay with you? How much lying? How much misrepresentation? How much criminality in an election system are you okay with? So what do they do differently in Afghanistan? Very simple. You're registered to vote. You're a citizen of Afghanistan. When it's time to vote, you go to your local poll. You provide them with proof of ID, who you are at the poll. They hand you a ballot, and they watch you fill it out. And when you fill it out and hand it back to them, you take the forefinger of your right hand and stick it in an inkwell of ink that does not disappear. It stays for days, and it's dark purple. And when you pull it out of that ink, everybody that sees you for a couple of weeks to come, as a matter of fact, you've got a purple, dark blue pointer finger on your hand, and you can't vote twice. That's just too simple. We're way more advanced than that. I'll ask you the question, and we'll go to break. How much voter fraud is okay with you? How many votes? Well, there weren't enough votes in 2020. Yeah, there were illegal votes cast. There always are. But there weren't enough to change the results. How do you know that? And so what number is okay? My answer is real simple. I don't want one vote cast that is not cast legally. I don't want one person in this country that's not here legally. I don't want one person getting any benefit from the federal government that is not in the process legally. That's exactly the way I feel about it, always have. And in my lifetime, 
I'm going to demand that we see that. I'm going to continue to stand up with my megaphone, whatever it is at that particular time. Right now, it's talking to you. I want every vote to be cast legally and every legal vote to count, period. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt, and vinegar, too. You sample them all because the crisp is so good on your lips. Yeah. You left your wallet at home. But now you have a new best friend. The many flavors of Lay's chips. One taste and you're in love. Lowe's knows you're a craftsman guy. You have a lot of tools. Tools for everything you've done around the house. But there's the moment you realize your new project means new tools. When tool guys need new tools, they start with Lowe's. The new home of Craftsman. Northern Tool and Equipment. My girlfriend has given me a pet name. I'm afraid to ask. Snuggle Muffin. No, it isn't. And she uses it in public. Okay, so give your girlfriend a pet name she'll hate, like uh, Thunder Chunky. I couldn't do that. I see. Too harsh for Snuggle Muffin. Okay. Drown her out with a 200 mile per hour cordless leaf blower. Got it. Here she comes. Hey, Snuggle Muffin. What are you doing, Snuggle? Snuggle! Snuggle! I am so out of here. Wait, come back, Thunder Chunky. There's no problem a little horsepower can't solve. Northern Tool and Equipment. How hard is it to unlock your car? Not hard. How hard is it to shut your car door? Not hard. How hard is it to start your car? Not hard. How hard is it? to put your seatbelt on. People are still dying in car accidents because they were not wearing a seatbelt, which is stupid because it's not that hard. Smarten up, buckle up. Think road safety, a message from the Government of South Australia. In a world of fake news, the truth will out. Truthnewsnet.org. Dan Newman. Do you remember... And I forget what bill it was in. You remember all the billions of dollars that Joe Biden got to work on high-speed internet across the country? We got to make sure all the people that live in these rural communities have the same ability to get high-speed internet, wireless internet, as everybody else. Have you heard anything about how that's going on? Well, the president's Internet for All program has committed $65 billion to expand high-speed Internet access. But they are facing some astronomically high-dollar cost and connection of these individual homes in those rural areas. The average cost per home connection is $53,000 each for Nebraska's Winnebago tribe, while some Montana homes could cost over $300,000 per connection. In some cases, the total cost of providing internet connection to certain homes is going to surpass the property's value. Fiber optic cable internet connection is the industry norm. 
but satellite service is more affordable, but it's less dependable, less reliable, and the Biden administration has prioritized funding of fiber connections. Congress gave authority to the state and federal officials executing the program to decide the acceptable cost limits in areas that are difficult to reach. And so this is part of the conundrum. When you give this just big chunk of money, I mean huge, $65 billion, and you just give it out there and it's go do this, go hook up all these homes. And who has the authority to decide what's okay and what's not, what's too expensive and what's not? It's going to be some individual. It's not going to be somebody that sat down, a tax person, uh, an accountant that comes up with what's realistic. It's some little plebe in government at some level that just says, ah, okay, my uh, my cousin and his family, they have three homes out here in this rural area, and it's going to cost half a million dollars for each of them to get it there, but eh, I'm going to decide that's okay. We're going to go ahead and do it. Biden's Department of Ag also spent tens of millions in tax dollars to provide fiber optic internet to rural southeast Alaska. It awarded a $33 million grant to the Alaska Telephone Company to deliver fiber to just 92 homes. And that's a total of 211 people. $33 million. And five businesses in two Alaska native villages, Skagway and Chilkat. Tech publication Fierce Telecom estimated the plan would cost around, uh, let me find that number, around $204,000 per residence in business. So is it a success? <laughs> you, you tell me if it's a success or not. Now I'm going to blow your mind on some Biden southern border expertise, things really making the right choices on. You probably don't remember this. Shortly after he entered office in 2021, Biden rescinded the Trump administration's DNA collection program that was used to verify the identities of these migrants that come across the southern border. It had been used very effectively, and you know what it was used for. Think about it for a second. What was going on and what is still going on, even in greater percentages than was then about these kids, unaccompanied minors coming across the southern border. Sex trafficking, child trafficking. The Trump administration put this in there so they could verify the identities of these migrants and connect these kids to so-called relatives that were with them. San Diego County Supervisor Jim Desmond expressed his concerns about the Biden administration ending the program, saying it could be exploited for human trafficking and the exploitation of children. And sure enough, it has been. It's been proven. Today, I sent a letter to the federal government and the president urging them to re-implement DNA testing, accompanied by severe penalties for adults who resist. This is a rational and morally imperative step toward dismantling the vile practice of using children for criminal purposes, Desmond wrote Tuesday 
The Biden administration withdrew the Trump plan to cut down on administrative barriers and undue burdens within the immigration system. A previous DHS pilot program found that 16 of 84 families were fraudulent families that weren't actually even related. 16 of 84. A separate program discovered that out of a total of 522 migrant families, 80 of them were fraudulent. The month of August, last month, saw a surge of illegal migrant encounters at the border that included a record number of 91,000 family members crossing. This is according to the Washington Post, and they had no way, nothing that they could use to determine if the people that were so-called members of each of these 91,000 families They just had to take those people's word and let them just come on in and get distributed according to the way they wanted to. Did you know that it is a fact that the United States of America is the number one final location for kids that are kidnapped from around the world and sold into sex slavery, the United States is the number one by far destination for those kids to end up in. People in your country, in my country, they are actually on the phone. Certainly right now while we're doing this show, there are people that are on the phone making arrangements to buy kids mostly for sexual purposes, some for illegal child labor. And we say we're better than other countries like China and their egregious use of young kids in factories that are working 20 hours a day for nothing. One of the biggest offenders, the two, one of the two biggest offenders, two of them, or Nike, those kids over there making those tennis shoes that sell for hundreds of dollars over here, and those kids make pennies. And also Apple phones, same thing. So why do we keep doing that? The love of money is the root of all evil. People perform evil acts, and they do it for their own purposes and to benefit themselves, no matter what it is, even selling our children. I can't imagine a mom or dad that would do that. But in desperation, I can understand and see it's going on. Not legitimizing it in any way, but I get it. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Hump Day. Have a great one. We'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Dancing to a different drum. Can't you see what's going on? Deep inside your heart. Always searching for the real thing. Living life that's far away. Just leave all the madness since yesterday. You're holding the key when you believe it. Try.
Smiling with the rising sun 